your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to Cat Talk PM. Another day, another discussion about cats. <laughs> On the phone with me is a Georgetown professor of biology. He's also the director of Earth Commons there at Georgetown. His name is Pete Mara. Pete, how's it going? It's going well. How are you? Did I say that right? Um, I, I forgot. Is it Mara or Mara? I'm sorry. Uh, Mara's fine. Oh, I, I was all right. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I clued you in on this last week. Our, our city is trying to pass a law. And I want to get to this, uh, you know, where we're, essentially we're saving the feral cats from uh, euthanasia. Um, and I want to get to that. F- but but when when you're the director of what's called Earth Commons at Georgetown University, can you explain to us what that is? Yeah, sure. It's it's well, prior to that, I was at the Smithsonian for 20 years, was director of the Migratory Bird Center there. And I decided to leave to head to Georgetown to help build and support and infuse environmental and sustainability research, education, and service throughout the entire Georgetown University community. Um, so we're building degree programs, master's degrees, graduate degrees, as well as a whole new undergraduate program around environment and sustainability research. Um, because no part of our society, no part of anything we do is is really immune from the importance of environment and sustainability. So we have to build as many programs as we can. So we institutionalize these things so we're training the next generation about the importance of the environment. And that's what this goal is, what this institute's doing. Our university, we have a couple of universities in town, but the state one, UW-Lacrosse, uh, their students have actually protested that they don't have a like leadership, a sustainability coordinator, so to speak, at the university, somebody hired to kind of oversee how the university is working on sustainability. What is what is Georgetown doing, and what do you think uh, universities should do in, uh, in that regard? Those are really smart students. That's exactly what they should be doing, is demanding that sustainability is right there at the top, along with their chief operating officer, their CFO, their, their deans. So we just hired a vice president for sustainability who oversees the operations and facilities with respect to sustainability to make sure that our investments are all coming from responsible places with respect to the impacts that they have on environment, that our operations, whether it's the buildings and where we get our energy, to how we use recyclables, to compost, all of our institutions of higher learning where we're training the next generation need to be taking a responsible approach to sustainability. So. We're doing that seriously at Georgetown. We've divested all of our fossil fuels from our endowment. We've done a whole suite of things. We've got a long way to go, uh, and and uh, but a university environment, that ecosystem in itself is a wonderful place to start to focus on becoming really uh, sustainable uh, to get our carbon footprint down to you know close to zero as we possibly can. Now we have a we have a responsibility to do this, and universities. Uh, are the perfect place to do it on those campuses. Yeah, I I've, I I saw this this meme the other day. I'm, I'm I only read memes, Pete. I don't read articles anymore. But um, <laughs> uh, uh, the airport in Brussels, I don't know how, or maybe it was an airline. They they decided to direct. They kept all their flights, all three all three thousand flights. Although they were empty, they kept the flights because they wanted to save the like landing times and takeoff times. Otherwise, they would lose them. And then the you know the subtweet of that was that's going to take a lot of paper straws for us to make up 
Um, but this, just this idea that me as a consumer, I can recycle all I want, but it is entities like, I guess, state universities, uh, corporations. It really needs to be those entities that start to think about sustainability and, you know, waste and, and how they, they go about business. Uh, it, you know, everyone in the world is, you know, only like, what, 30% of, of that problem where corporations and um, these bigger entities are like 70% of this problem, I think. Well, I think it all starts at, it all starts with the individuals, and whether it's what our own actions are, um, or it's how we vote, or it's you know the pressures we put on, like those students are putting on their on their institutions. Um, so you know, ultimately, the impacts can by impacting those larger institutions, we can reduce our impacts. But I think it's got to be at all levels that we're really starting to change, um, and we have to do this if we want to um, persist on this planet. It's that simple. Is there a simple? Well, we're here. We're here to talk about cats, right? Yeah, we're gonna. I, I, this stuff's interesting to me too, and I don't often get good, uh, good. Uh, somebody, but yeah. we will. We will talk about uh, what the city of Lacrosse wants to do to save the feral cats. And I was, I argue about this too. They essentially want to spay and neuter. Uh, they they want to catch if the cats are brought or if they're caught. Catch feral cats, spay and neuter them, vaccinate them for rabies, clip their ears so we know we did this, and then release them. Um, just before we go to break here, Pete. Good idea, bad idea. What do you think? Horrible idea. Yeah, horrible idea. All right. Good enough. That's perfect. We'll, we'll segue to Brad doing the news. Uh, we'll come back, and we're, we're going to talk to Pete Mara, the professor of biology at Georgetown U, also the director of Earth Commons, on, on why that's a horrible idea. All right. Welcome back to Cat Talk PM. <laughs> 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. If you want to shoot me a text, the city council is going to vote on this, possibly on Thursday, whether or not to save the feral cats in the cross. Uh, Alley Cat Allies has been a, a, a website that's been referenced. I think another pro-cat group was at a committee meeting last week. Pete Mara is on with me. He's a biology professor at Georgetown, also the director of Earth Commons there in Washington, D.C., Pete, uh, you said right before the break, this is a horrible, I think you said horrible idea, saving feral cats. Is there, I mean, there's probably a lot of reasons, but is there one, is, the, is, one, is there one reason more so than another? Well, it's, it's, it's not saving the cats. You're putting cats out into an environment that they didn't naturally evolve into, and they have half the lifespan they do in captivity. And if, if once they're out there, they die a horrible death. So it's, I mean, it's not good from the cat's perspective, but it's also not good from a native wildlife perspective. Cats have a tremendous impact on native species and native ecosystems, directly and indirectly. Cats have been responsible for over 60 species extinctions around the world, um, second only to rats. They kill in the U.S. between 1.3 and 4 billion birds, over 15 billion mammals a year. I mean, I could go on with these sorts of statistics for a long time. We know that outdoor cats have huge impacts, and sterilizing them has no impact on their ability to prey on animals. Yeah, that's um, a, the mayor yesterday was yeah. on, and he said, hey, when we sterilize these cats, when we fix them, spay and neuter them, and, and release them back out, they don't have this urge to hunt anymore. I think he was trying to get at they won't be pregnant and therefore won't have to feed pregnant kittens so they won't hunt as much. Maybe there's a correlation there. Um, well, yeah, that's probably, if they're not feeding as many young, they probably don't have to produce milk. They may not have the caloric demands. 
but they're still cats kill not just from a food requirement they kill because it is their it's, in, it's their instinct and so they kill just out of curiosity so um it's it's just not a statistic frankly yeah I, I, um, I brought up this example the other day is just the you have a cat you let it outside and it comes back and it brings you a little bird to the deck door and it drops it off and it's like here rick here's a little bird i hunted for you i'm going to teach you i don't know if they're trying to teach me how to hunt or trying to feed me um but you know like oh that's you know if it was if it's a mouse it's cute i guess and if it's a bird it's like ah, eh, that's kind of gross right and those are native species cats are not native to any ecosystem and the other thing that we've known from several studies is that cats only bring a third of what they kill to you. So it may have brought you a, a, a bird, but it probably left two other mammals or a bird out in, the, out in the field that it came from that it never even brought to you that it may have eaten. Or it may have just killed and just left. Because, you know, when, if, it's a, if it's an owned cat that, um, like, if you have a cat that's owned that you let outside... It's supplementally feeding, and it may not even kill to eat. It's just killing because, again, it's, it's, um, it's their instinct. We're speaking with Pete Mara. He's the professor of biology at Georgetown University. Pete, uh, I didn't do this. You know, like you have pretty good credentials in that regard, but um, you've really studied this and, and looked into cats' impact on especially the bird population. Can you, can you explain, like, your history in, in, in knowing all this stuff? Yeah, so I didn't. I I've owned a cat before. I've owned a cat. His name was Tukus. Uh, it was an indoor cat. Uh, but I, when I moved to Washington D.C. in uh, the late '90s, I started uh, studying urban ecology in addition to several other things that I study uh, in uh, in and around birds. And when you work in an urban environment, you start to look at the ecosystem and the components of the ecosystem. But our, our focus was birds. But you couldn't help but note that there were a lot of other non-native things in these ecosystems. There are non-native plants. There are mosquitoes, non-native mosquitoes that spread disease, um, and also predators like cats. So we began studying the impacts of these cats in these neighborhood settings. And, uh, and, we, and we were in no means the first group to do this. Several other folks have done this, and uh, folks in Wisconsin, and in fact, the University of Madison did this in the 1980s. Um, and we started to show that cat predation actually had really high impacts on the ability for birds to reproduce and maintain their populations. And so that study led to several other studies, including a study uh, in, in the early two, in 2013, I think we published it, that looked at the overall number of birds and mammals and reptiles and amphibians that are killed by cats in um, in North in the United States with error bars, so understanding sort of the the, the error associated with those estimates, and we estimated that cats in the United States kill between 1.3 and 4 billion birds a year. Um, and uh, I've written a book on the topic that looks at all the various issues, not just the the um, issues of the predation, but that they that they impose on native ecosystems, but also the diseases they spread and the impacts on the cats themselves when they're let outside, whether they're owned cats or unowned cats. That book's called Cat Wars that I wrote with a co-author, uh, Chris Santella, a good friend that I've known since, since middle school, in fact. I thought, um, I so thought you were going to end. When I, when I asked your credentials and you said, I owned a cat, his name was Tukas, I thought you were going to end it right there. Like, yeah, I owned yeah. a cat. I know all about this crap, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been no, great. No, no. no but, um, but you mentioned spreading diseases, and part of this plan for the city, and I think the county's going to do this too, is to vaccinate the cats just for rabies. I know the Humane Society mentioned distemper last week on my show, but – in the in the legislation, it doesn't say distemper. 
But um, uh, every year I have a dog. I have to get it vaccinated for rabies multiple times. So are, are we just doing this once for cats or are we going to have to catch them again and clip their ear again? Well, you don't have to clip your ear again because it won't grow back. And, and uh, so it'll, it'll be recognized as a cat that's been captured and, and spayed and neutered. Um, uh, but I have to vac- vaccinate at least once. But I have to okay. vaccinate it. But I but but my dog has to get vaccinated multiple times for rabies. Do, do we need? Do we just expect a feral cat to die before it needs to get a rabies vaccine again, a booster? Yeah, in part, that's what probably is going to happen. But they individuals are rarely captured again and vaccinated again. I, I, I I'm not even sure I've ever heard of a TNR site, which is the trap neuter return process. I don't think I've ever heard of a site that's gone back in and recaptured animals and revaccinated them. It doesn't mean it doesn't happen. I'm just not familiar with that. But typically, that is what you need to do. And remember, when we vaccinate them, when you're vaccinating just for rabies, then that's the, there's all sorts of other diseases that impact cats that are problematic for those animals that they will get um, uh, when they're outdoors. Um, and not only that, what was the temperature there this morning? Well, it was eight when I left, and that's like the middle of the day. But it was zero point zero degrees at one point last night. <laughs> yeah, and so putting cats outside in zero degree weather, and then if you get some snow, I'm just I don't see how that's animal welfare. I don't see how that's humane. Well, I'm going to put in a, fact it's not humane. Pete, I'm going to put a cardboard box out there. Maybe right, exactly. Maybe it's, an old yeah, it's, crappy blanket. It's, it's, cats did not evolve in that situation. Uh, it's not a bobcat. Um, and it's, it is in no way a healthy situation for an animal to be exposed to. That, is, that to me, is animal cruelty. Um, straight up, that's animal cruelty. Well, the I, don't, sin- I don't see how we can interpret it any other way. Well, what, what are the solutions? If we can't, if we're not, okay, do we need to, if we catch a feral cat, the, the idea here in, in the city is to, we're going to spay, neuter, uh, vaccinate it for rabies and release it, and then it's going to – here's the thing. Here's the argument, Pete, is they say that if you take the feral cat and euthanize it, another feral cat is going to move into the territory of that feral cat, and it's a never-ending process. There's just always another cat that's going to move in. Right, and that's just complete fallacy. That's just not true. Um, if that were the case – so the whole idea of trap-neuter-return is that by trapping, neutering, and putting them back out, over time, the population goes extinct. That is the entire justification for why you do trap, neuter, return. Because ultimately, you'll cause the population to go, what's, un, what's called, in a quote, a natural extinction process of that local population. If, if the case was that there was always a cat there to replace the cat that's removed, then trap, neuter, return would never work at all, Right. And so this is what I always point out to folks because I've, I've heard this multiple times. There, isn't an inf- there are a lot of cats out there, but there isn't an infinite number of cats. Not only that, there's lots of evidence to suggest that cats aren't even territorial. That's why when you put out these feeding stations, you have you know, 10 or 15 cats that will be feeding around a few bowls, and then they'll lounge around and disperse at different amounts and come back in for feeding again. So the territory, this whole territorial idea that cats will just be replaced the only reason they're being replaced is because we've done a horrible job with enforcing pet abandonment rules or allowing these trap neuter return colonies to continue or allowing people to just, you know, not take care of their, of their cats uh, when they own them and they allow them to roam and, and uh, disperse. That, those are where the cats are coming from. It's not because there's just this never-ending supply of cats.
We're speaking with Pete. Ridiculous. We're speaking with Pete Mary. He's a biology professor at Georgetown University, the director of Earth Commons, and he wrote a book called "What Was the Book Again, Pete?" It's called "Cat Wars: The Devastating Destruction of a Cuddly Killer." Um, all right, and, and the solution here. Okay, part of my part of my research here in the city, the city of La Crosse, does not. So, if I get a, a pet cat, I do not have to, if, and I register it. I do not have to spay and neuter it, and there are no rules for disallowing this cat to go outside. Does the does the city need to continue with euthanizing feral cats along with adding rules to cat owners who that you are required to? What just you have to spay and neuter your cats, and also probably not let them outside because they're still going to kill. Yeah, so let's let's start this by talking about dogs. Um, and there was a time in the '60s and '70s when when I was young when dogs roamed you know around neighborhoods. There were packs of dogs, and then there'd be occasionally somebody who got bit by a dog. There'd be a ra- there was a rabies issue. Dogs at that point in time were the primary domesticated animal to spread. Uh, rabies to humans. Now, guess what it is? It's cats. Um, and cats, were, dogs were hit by cars. And so what we started to do was we started to say, well, you know what? We need to have pet responsibility laws. And cities and states demanded that and cre- they created animal uh, uh, welfare organizations, or they committed uh, uh, animal control organizations that were state-funded, city-funded, county-funded, and they started to create licensing rules. And they said, okay, if you're going to own a dog, you've got to license it, and you need to demonstrate that you've actually got it vaccinated, and it's getting vaccinated on a regular basis. That's called pet responsibility. We do not do this for cats for the most part. We, some, some cities and states, there are a few examples of cities and states, or cities anyway, that require uh, cats to be licensed. And uh, I don't know if they require the vaccinations, but they require the, the, um, the animals to be licensed. And, um, and they also say you're not allowed to let your cats outdoors and roam. Uh, whether they're enforced or not is a whole other story, because most cities and states have, have reduced the amount of money they put towards their animal control organizations. And what they've done instead was to they fund animal advocacy groups. And these animal advocacy groups in a lot of these states, like the ones you ref- you've referred to already, have certain things that they advocate for. And one of those things they advocate for, unfortunately, is something we call a no-kill policy, which is rather than, rather than euthanize these animals, which is the responsible thing to do in many cases, we're going to let these animals roam free where they have all sorts of impacts on themselves and on native species. Yeah, it's, it's just, a tricky situation. It's, it's a very difficult situation. It's a little bit of a moral dilemma that we don't think about the, the impact because, A, we don't want the Humane Society to catch these cats, and then they're only doing this 36 times a year in the city of La Crosse, catch these cats, and then they go through a four- or five-day period where they, they, they determine whether or not they're, they're sociable. The, uh, the Humane Society here, Pete, does not euthanize cats that are adoptable out, either the they can adopt them out as working cats for like farms, and I don't even know if I want to get into farm cats with you, but um, or they can adopt them out as you know regular cats. But if they end up being feral after this four to six day period where they can't, there's no, we're not going to be able to work with this cat. They euthanize it, and it's a moral dilemma, right? We don't like the idea of them putting down a cat, so they release it back out into the wild where it might even be worse for the cat, right? Because it's you know a cold and b just. Uh, you know, we have wildlife here. I think my I had a caller last week say he's got foxes outside his house, and I don't know. I don't know who wins between a cat and a fox. Probably a fox, right? Oh, fox definitely wins, and and coyotes win too. Uh, coyotes love cats. Um, 
and not as pets. They love they, they kill cats and eat cats, and it's and so do car cars are the number one way those outdoor cats die. Um, but also cold temperatures. It's it's there's nothing humane about that. There's nothing better about that process than you know releasing these cats than um, than euthanasia. Euthanasia is probably the most humane thing that can happen to those animals. But people don't have the guts to say it, frankly. And then beyond and so, beyond that, what ahead. what else should the city be doing? I mean, besides you know maybe requiring pets pet owners to spay and neuter their pet cats, and maybe even not letting them outside. Is there anything else that the city should be doing as they go to council on Thursday to vote on this? Well, the number one thing they should be doing is making a commitment to really pulling together the right information to encourage pet responsible pet responsibility. And that means stopping abandonment, making sure there's no pet abandonment that's happening uh, in in the in the town and the city. Um, requiring licensing is another thing they, that they should be they should be doing. Making it a law that people cannot let their cats outside, for all the data um, and all the reasons that are really clearly uh, point to the fact that those cats have horrible impacts on the environment and horrible impacts on themselves. It's re- the data are really clear. I mean, there's just no other way to interpret it. Um, but also not to allow trap-neuter return. Um, trap-neuter return, for the reasons we've already discussed, is, is just the worst thing you can do. An alternative there is for those young cats that are, that are out there, adopting those out to families that are in a position to accept those cats and care for those cats, that's a great solution. After that, when they are truly too wild, to live in an um, indoor situation, that's when the problem becomes difficult, when, and these are unowned cats. For the owned cats, people that own cats, whether it's on a farm or anywhere else, should not be letting cats outside. We, uh, that's, that's just clear. We need, to, we need to normalize keeping cats on a leash maybe a little bit. I don't, know, I don't know how hard it is to teach a cat to – I can't teach a cat to be, quote-unquote, like a dog. I've never been able to do that. And then you mentioned to me off the air before the show catios, like a, like a pet catio. We have dog parks. Do we have, can we have, like, cat parks somehow? I don't know how that would work. <laughs> well, actually, you know, since I've been working on this issue, there's been an enormous increase in the number of people that do walk their cats on leashes. You know, you can't take your cat for a jog, but the, the, the thing that we're all trying to do is enrich these animals' lives. And I, I totally get that. I, I worked in a zoo for a, a good part of my career, and what we try to do with animals in captivity, whether it's our own dogs or pets or cats, um, we need to enrich their lives so they are living a life that's happy. I, get, I totally get that. And I, I have two dogs, and I've had a cat, and, and I do everything I can to enrich those animals' lives. So putting a cat on a leash and walking it outside so it sees birds but doesn't kill the bird, sees a mammal or, or sees a leaf or whatever it happens to be, is a really important thing to do. It takes some time, so you, it's not just a matter of kicking the door open and letting that cat go wander. Um, or a catio. Catios are basically screened in enclosures that allow a cat to go outside where it's safe and where animals around it are safe. And we're seeing more and more catios out there, too. All right, that's Pete Mara. He's the... Biology professor at Georgetown University and the director of Earth Commons there at Georgetown as well. Pete, thanks a lot for coming on and and enlightening us a little bit. Sure, my pleasure. All right, see ya. All right, we got to take another break. Scott's comment coming up. Brad doing the news. Continue with Cat Talk PM. Eric from Sparta's calling. We'll get his opinion. And uh, I did see a story that Tommy Thompson may be running for governor. I thought I'd play Cat Stevens. Maybe I should have been doing that all week, all last week. 
I looked up Cat Wars in the Lacrosse Library. It's not in there. I looked up by author Peter Mara. Doesn't seem to be in there. I'll have to talk to the library about this. We got to get Cat Wars into the city. This anti cat propaganda before the council votes on Thursday. I feel like the council is just going to push off the vote, right? On on saving feral cats. We'll just push it back a month. They never do that, right? Seem to do that all the time. I'm going to send them this show. Listen to this. (laughs) Mayor Mitch Reynolds uh, yesterday said that if you spare, neuter a cat, it will be less inclined to hunt. And I think he was speaking like it wouldn't get pregnant and therefore wouldn't have to hunt more. But, uh, Pete Mara, a biology professor at uh, Georgetown, who was just on with us. Not true, he says. Not true. I think Eric, uh, let me see here. I think Eric from Sparta is calling. And um, Eric, who, Eric, who uh, has has a couple of cats outside his back door, right, Eric? I do. I have a lot of cats. I got two in the house and one outside that I put, I put up. He didn't pat it in there. He's a water ball. He bit me one time, but I still love the thing. I had him... Vaccinated and neutered, he's still, still a good boy. And that year, 14 years ago, I went outside, I saw a cat limping around the yard. I thought, I noticed it didn't have a tail. I thought, oh no, what's going on here? So I followed around. Then I figured it didn't have a, one of the left front legs because some people would trap out here and cut the front leg off it. And she had kittens in my, my shed out here. And I put a, a heated bank out there. That saved this animal, and she's the sweetest darling you will ever know in your life. But I want to tell you this. I want to tell you that. I take care of these things. I don't let them run wild. Uh, so you have to know that. Yeah, well, I, if you if I, you have a cat out. My, my tripod, she, she has three legs. She's 16 years old, and she's the sweetest thing you ever seen in your life. You guys hate cats. <laughs> don't, don't hate cats, Eric. Uh, but Eric, we don't. There's have this idiot on there that talk about. The feral cat problem. I think. What about what about Millie? Does she go really crap all over somebody's yard? I had. I have a tan. Trash why are you attacking my dog? I don't know what I you're thought, doing. Yeah, I'm talking to your dog. I have people next door to me that trash the house over there. People from Kentucky and Tennessee. One nicest guy in the world. He came over. His, his three little girls came over one day. As a little cat, little tiny cat. Could take him over there. He'll take him. But I brought her in there. I put some tuna and stuff. All right, all right, Eric. Thanks. I don't, he's getting out of. I don't know. Not kind of losing it there. I don't know what you're saying. Um, the cat's inside. Totally fine. If you have a three-legged cat outside that you just leave outside, that's kind of what we were talking about. The idea that we, the the alternative to um, getting the feral cats to just euthanizing them is is a more humane way. Because they're going to die in some other way, whether uh, something else eats them, a car runs them over, uh, that cat that you have outside that apparently has three legs lost a leg somehow. <laughs> it seems pretty obvious that uh, a cat's life outside in Wisconsin or anywhere is worse for the cat and also worse for everything else out there. Whew. All right, I'm almost done with Cat Talk Radio. I'm almost done. I probably hit it up again. No, I we'll see. We'll see how the council votes on Thursday. I, f- I feel like they need to put it off, though. And the county's thinking about doing this thing as well. And we have somebody that's pretty well versed in in this entire thing. And he's saying uh, 
he's saying this isn't a good idea. Like it's all, I, he called it a horrible idea. He called the catch and release program the city and the county possibly wants to do a horrible program. Uh, is this Joe? Yeah. Hey, Joe. I go. think the professor that just called in earlier, I think I agree with him 100%. And I think I, I'm an animal person myself. I hate to see animals get killed. I would hate to see animals get put down. But like you said, if you're, if you're, if people are going to have pets and they're not going to take care of them and they're not going to be responsible, this is unfortunately his situation. What he was recommending be done um, is what's going to end up happening. I hope the city council was listening. Um, it's too bad that is he going to speak there on Thursday or no? No, I mean he's literally in D.C. He's at Georgetown. So I just, I just, I, I looked up some ec- experts and you know I kind of hunted him down over the last week. Uh, to try okay. to get him on, it was kind of a, it, it was kind of a, a lot of hoops to jump through to get him on, but um, not not well, a ton. I hope, but um, I hope the city council. I hope somebody. You know, there are people that are on the city council that do listen to the radio station. So I would hope that they would take back this information and before they make a decision, maybe contact somebody like this guy, get more feedback because putting the cats down, unfortunately, I don't I don't agree with. They can't be releasing them. I think that's animal cruelty, like you said, too. Yeah, it's animal cruelty to A, the cats, and B, the the rest of the wild. Joe, do you feel a little itchy here, me and you agreeing on something? Feel like one of us is wrong. (laughs) No, I'm I'm just kidding. I'm I'm totally messing with you. I'm totally kidding. Yeah, no, but I, I just think that. You know, I do think I do commend you for well, you know, researching this and getting somebody on. And, you know, because when I called in last week and said I didn't agree, you know, you listen to somebody that's more of a professional on this stuff, and it just it's even more, I'm even more agreeable to it. Yeah, I mean, listen to me rant and rave about this stuff, because I'm trying to read some some info on this, and I kind of know a little bit, but I, I'm not an expert. And then I bring the expert on. So I feel like the city council, when they have pro-cat, you know, big cat, I call it, pro-cat group, come on and, and talk about how this program is good, um, you know, it's up to, who is it up to? As the, for the city, for for the council, is it up to them to bring somebody else to the meeting as an as an opposing yeah. view on this issue? Think, is it up to them to read should. about? I, it? I think they should do what you're doing. They should research it yeah. before they make a decision. And I I hope that they're listening. Yeah, because I think they feel like they have researched it because they're like, no, this is good. It's otherwise we if we kill you if know, we euthanize the feral cat, another feral cat moves into the area and I'm just you know and Pete just I, said he goes cats yeah, aren't territorial. I don't, I don't know that I agree with that. I, I think that what you said, you know, that we with us agreeing on this, I think they need to research it better and I think that um you know cuz I agree with the guy totally that called in. I I think it's animal cruelty to release a cat back into the wild on a day like yesterday. That's it's animal cruelty period. Right, for sure. All right, man, thanks for the call. Yeah, thanks. Have a good night. Yep. Uh, number three, I believe, is calling in. Number three, go ahead. Do we always agree, you and I? No. <laughs> we probably disagree more often than not. Yeah, no, I mean, there's nothing wrong with Captain Morgan, right? <laughs> well, that I agree with. <laughs> All right. I, I tell you, I think, actually, this is one of the biggest challenges the uh, boys and girls at City Hall and the Carmen Council are going to have to make this year of 2022. This is a big deal for them. Well, we're kicking it off with, with cats, you know, and then maybe we'll move on to car washes. I don't know. Not a lot of politics going on here now, but, you know, it's, a, it's the, uh, what I call the uh, balance of nature. Right. Well, the balance of nature doesn't 
it, it doesn't include cats if you just want to go uh, what should be occurring outside in, in the lacrosse area. Cats are an invasive species, just like a weed in your garden is an invasive species, you know? Yep, that's right, that's right. I mean, years ago when I was a kid, we had a dog catcher. Went around and picked up stray dogs. Yeah. You know, now we don't have a dog catcher anymore. We should have a cat catcher maybe, you know. And, uh, I, I know I had friends down in Chicago years ago where the dog population was so bad that the cops would have to go out and shoot dogs. Yeah, well, we do have – the Humane Society does catch feral cats, but what we're going to do with the 36 feral cats the city has got a year – that's what the Humane Society told me, 36 a year that they've euthanized because they can't socialize. They're going, you know, they're going to re-release those back into the city instead of – so they catch them. And now they're going to re-release them. So there is, well, so to speak, a cat catcher. Like City Hall catch and release program with drug dealers. It's the same thing, Rick. You just got to understand it. Yeah. So we. Yeah. Well, we can't euthanize the drug dealers. Well, we should. Maybe <laughs> yes. <laughs> no comment. I don't believe in the death penalty. No, so, but I mean, you know, we catch a drug dealer and we we slap their hands and and feed them for a few days in the crossbar hotel and send them out to do the same thing over again. It's just like the cat. Yeah, I, I actually the legislation that was proposed on uh, you know not uh, what on bonds and bails on certain repeat offenders. I, I wasn't opposed to that. I don't think um, you know, but like the there's there's just a few of those people that that gets all of our attention, and then we kind of overreact to those few. I mean, we've talked to Tim Grinke, the DA, about that. But um, anyway, I appreciate the call. I got to take one more call here before I take number Keep three. Your powder dry. All right. Uh, I think Greg is this Greg. Yeah. Hey, Greg, go ahead. You're on the air, man. Well, you know, when you were talking to the mayor yesterday and when you were talking to this biologist, you know, I don't think they've spent much time in the outdoors. Uh, first of all, uh, when Mayor Mitch was talking yesterday, he said the idea of, of uh, spaying or neutering these and releasing them back is that they won't kill as many animals and everything. That's a fallacy. Cats are hunters, and they don't just hunt for food they hunt for the joy of it yeah it's just um, instinct i think it's i don't even know if it's joy it's instinct i think and uh, well, yeah yeah but you, i mean they continually hunt to, to hone their skills and and to keep it my daughter used to have a cat and it would bring dead mice and birds to her all the time and this cat was an indoor or indoor cat it would catch them when she was outside with the cat and it you know it, they they are killers they're hunters and they continue to do it and whether they're hungry or not. Yeah, and that, then as far as the biologist saying that it was inhumane to, to uh, release these animals back out because of the temperature and stuff, feral cats are wild animals, just like a raccoon or a badger or anything else. And a true feral cat is a wilder, meaner thing than than even a raccoon or something. I, I Years ago, I used to... Uh, used live traps that a, a, a farmer wanted me to get rid of some raccoons for him, and I would catch his barn cats, which I would release, and occasionally I'd catch a feral cat. And you can't release one of those because they will attack you. Unlike a raccoon letting them out and they'll run away, a feral cat comes out, it'll attack you. Um, they are nasty, mean things, and so... I don't know if that's what the Humane Society is dealing with in the cities um, or, or what, but uh, true feral cats um, uh, should be euthanized. Yeah. 
All right. Um, I, I appreciate the call, man. Thanks. All right. I got to take uh, one more break. We'll wrap up after this. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM 608-785-7914. Mark texted in. He, he just asked, you know, as we talk about this city's catch and release program for, for cats, it's just kind of a funny way to say that. As a, uh, the irony there, though, is this is actually kind of a serious uh, issue because of the Waukesha parade thing and, and uh, releasing that guy back on out after uh, doing what he did. But um, the uh, Mark just asked if it's, what about cats that are on the farm? And we, we, Pete Mara, the biology professor at Georgetown, who's written a book about this called, what did he call it? Uh, Cat Wars. It's not at the library. It is on the internet. You could Amazon. You can get it at Amazon. I wonder if Pearl Street Books has it, but uh, Cat Wars, it's called. And he studied this, and he's um, and the and the caller that called before and said that maybe Mitch and Pete aren't outdoors guys. Um, I th- I think you're wrong. Actually, I know I know Mitch is pretty outdoorsy. I mean, he's a hunter himself, and um, Pete worked in a zoo. <laughs> and uh, I, I can't pretend to know that if, whether or not Pete's an outdoors guy, but I I think he is just from the couple of minutes I talked to him before the show too. Um, but I don't know if that may not have anything to do with anything, but, um, but the barn cats, we did mention that. And also not great for the environment, not great for the cats. If you could keep the barn cats literally in the barn at all times, that would be fine. But that's not going to happen, right? Because what else is in the barn needs to get out of the barn. So as soon as that happens, then the cats would get out of the barn. It's not like our barns are enclosed anyway. Grew up on a uncle had a farm i know i know how that works that's not and he's had barn cats as well so um yeah so barn cats also not great are barn are barn cats all that necessary i mean I, you probably have some mice and they may what they eat some of the feed and and i guess maybe the, then you have a ridiculous mouse problem how would you get rid of that just a lot of mouse traps because you can't poison mice especially like i don't know if anyone knows that but you can't put out like the the poison especially in a Really anywhere, because if you poison a mouse, it it ingests that and dies. It's got the poison in it, and then something like an owl or a cat will eat that mouse, and then then the the animal that eats the poisoned mouse is also poisoned. So that doesn't work either. I don't know. That's a whole other dilemma. How do you uh, are we? Do we have like crazy mice populations, mouse populations on farms if they don't have barn cats? The problem, too, is I know some farmers, they always have kittens. They're always like, hey, I've got like seven kittens I got to give away because our barn cats had, you know, three litters. All our cats are now just had litters of kittens. So what do you do there? Um, I can't believe I did cat talk radio again. I'm pretty proud of myself, honestly. (laughs) Uh, This is up for full city council on Thursday. Uh, I'll send them this show. I mean, I think it's a pretty interesting conversation for them to hear. Um, but is it up to others that live here, whether or not they the support or don't support? I, I, it's hard to say you should support the idea of releasing feral cats after hearing what Pete said. Uh, because, I mean, it, it's, it's more animal cruelty to put the cats back outside, especially in the winter in Wisconsin. Uh, but it's also animal cruelty to the rest of the animals. So the cats don't like it outside. They don't, they don't, their natural habitat isn't winters in Wisconsin. What are we doing? funny i've never been so passionate about something that's gone through city council 
Um, yeah, total disagreement with the mayor. We need to impeach him after this. If this goes through, impeach the mayor. Uh, recounts on all the city councilors. And, uh, you know, maybe we recall all the city council members that voted for this. They'd vote for something that I don't agree with, right? <laughs> right. Uh, let's see, what day is today? Tomorrow, I don't, I don't have a... I don't have an agenda for tomorrow. I don't know what I'm going to do. I have some thoughts in mind, but nothing nothing uh, in stone at this point. I am going to have uh, Peggy Wirtz Olson, the uh, education president of Wisconsin, the WEAC, W-E-A-C. I actually forgot what, exactly what that means, but she's going to come on Thursday and talk a little bit about the uh, teacher shortage that we're going through right now, uh, just education, the, the problems we're having with education. And I don't know if I'll get into this with her. I got into this a little bit with Jennifer Schilling last week, the assembly rep here in La Crosse. Um, just the idea that Republicans proposed a bill to incentivize people to apply and stay at policing jobs in the state, like a $5,000 bonus for signing on for policing jobs. But we're not doing that for teachers? Like, man, that seemed like an easy one. Just, hey, we're going to do that for teachers. Like, there's a teacher shortage. Should we be worried about our youth more than our, you know, the the crime that's out there? I don't know. Should we do both at the same time? What about healthcare workers? I mean, healthcare isn't, uh, do we, should we worry about that as well? Should we be $5,000 bonus for nurses? I mean, the hospital system, I feel like, probably has enough money. But not the education system. So... Um, and Jennifer Schilling talked about this last week a little bit and how that's kind of just uh, BS, what Republicans tried to do, because they defunded uh, these these systems in the budget and then now are trying to refund them or upfund them uh, on their own. So that looks like they're the good guys, I guess. Yeehaw. All right, that's all the time I got. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll do this all again tomorrow. Um, maybe we'll talk about Tommy Thompson. Should we get Tommy Thompson on here and see if he's going to go downhill skiing?